0: we're continuing with our series. We started a couple weeks ago from the book of Jude that it just talks about how we are defending our faith. That's what Jude is. And And the title of our series is, Hey Jude, a faith worth the struggle. And that's what he's talking about is all of us struggle. Struggles are a normal part of life and it is the same with our faith. There are many things that we have to contend for when it comes for faith. And there's really nothing of greater value. And so this morning, what I wanna do is I wanna t- spend a few moments in just, as, just verses two and three, or excuse me, verses three and four of the book of Jude. So if you'll look at them with me, Jude chapter, Jude verse three and verse number four. Dear friends, dear friends, although I was eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. For certain individuals who con- whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. Their ungodly people pervert the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord." What I'd like to do is give you four thoughts this morning from this portion of Jude, all about asking Jude, hey, Jude, help me contend, help me me defend the faith. And so what are some thoughts that could really assist us in this pursuit? The first one is this, as we contend for the faith, let's not minimize the value of our relationships, as we temper the faith, let's not minimize the value of our relationships. As Jude begins in verse number three, he, he says to his, his readers, and now to us, dear, he uses the word dear friends, dear friends. In the original language of the New Testament, that, those two words can be translated as beloved, beloved. And it really tells me that there was deep affection that Jude shared with his hearers. Now, I've used this. We've been talking a a lot about social media this morning. I've used this analogy on more than one occasion about Facebook and the amount of friends that Facebook says I have. Now, I have 2,012 friends. and No, I don't. I don't have 2,012 friends. (laughs) I have 2,012 friends that Facebook identifies as friends. But what makes Those on that particular social media platform, dear friends, is something that we would share in common, not just an acquaintance, but rather something that would take us beyond that very surface relationship. You see, there's something that unites us, binds us, and connects us. So when Jude says, dear friends, there's something that's connecting those individuals with him, And I would suggest what is connecting them is the salvation that we share. There is a unique relationship that we have as followers of Jesus Christ. And I cannot think of anything of greater value today than the connections we share as followers of Christ. We talked a couple of different times just moments ago about being the church, being the church, Cannot stress how important it is that we remain connected with our dearest friends. Yeah, yes, I, we need to remain connected with our family, of course, of course. And our close friends, yes. But there's something unique about the family of God, the people of God, the community of faith. That we, we are bound together, we are united by something dynamically powerful. And at a time such as this that we're experiencing in our country, and really the world, I want to value these relationships. Don't underestimate the value of those relationships in your life and experience. And when I think about this, there's a few thoughts that just come to to my mind. Remember this, that there is strength. There is strength in community. In fact, Ecclesiastes, Solomon would say it this way. He says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. So can I, let me just say, take care of each other. Take care of each other. Uh, Connect with those God brings to your mind, make a phone call, send an email, text a friend, stay connected. There's strength in community. Also, I love the fact that Jesus, don't forget that Jesus calls us friends. Jesus calls us friends. I, I, I'm just, I'm blessed by the thought that Jesus calls us friends. John chapter 15 and verse number 15, we read, I have called you friends, Jesus says, I've called you, friends, for everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. We are in a friendship with Jesus. There's strength there. And then lastly is that we have, that we have shared life with others. We share life with others because of Jesus. 1 John chapter 1 and verse number 7 says, But if we walk in the light, God himself being the light, we also experience, listen to this, a shared life with one another. As the sacrifice blood of Jesus, God's son, purges all our sin. So don't minimize the value of your relationships as we are contending for the faith, as we we defend our faith, and as we just walk through life. The value of your relationships are incredibly strong. Continue in those relationships. Build them, grow them. The second thought this morning is that as we contend for the faith, it requires urgency. As we contend for the faith, it requires urgency. Jude would say it this way. He says, I felt compelled to write you and urge you to contend. We are in very unique days and in uncharted waters. That is something that it can't be, can't be overemphasized. Everything is changing daily, and, and when that occurs, it does create a sense of urgency in us and in many different responses. And I, and I believe me, I get it. And I wonder if you've ever received a package from Amazon or UPS or FedEx. Something that I've discovered is that they are really passionate about getting that package to you. They have a sense of urgency. In fact, there's tracking numbers that you get, you may get emails or text message or, you know, a phone call even but men, they are going to get that package to you. There is a sense of urgency. They are passionate about packages. And I am, I'm, you know, I'm grateful for that because it is a great blessing to me and to Marcy as we are home as it is to you when something is delivered at our door. They are committed. They're committed to delivering that package. But I wonder, do I express the same urgency about my faith? In in just defending this most incredible, delightful, strengthening faith that I have in Christ. Do I have an urgency about it? You see, when Jude says the word compelled, he's compelled to do this. That means it's, it's a force or a drive, especially to a course of action. And then he adds the word urge, which means to push or force something along. It's an impal with vigor. Both of these words emphasize the importance of contending for our faith. You see, the gospel, the gospel saves us. It saves us. I'm so grateful for what the good news of Jesus Christ has done in my life. And this morning, you may be watching it and you say, I don't, I'm not fully understanding, Gary, of what it means to be saved. You see, He saves us from sin, all of us, regardless of who we are. We have sinned. The scripture talks about it very clearly, that all have sinned and fall short of God's righteous standard. He saves us from that. He forgives our sin. The gospel, the good news, is that he saves us. He brings us into relationship with himself. The gospel saves us. and Also, the gospel, as the scripture would say, is of greater worth than gold. You see, there's nothing more valuable than the good news of Jesus Christ. That he came to this world to seek and to save that which was lost. I was lost. That's a valuable message. It's of greater worth than gold. There's nothing in my life and in your life or in this world of greater worth than the gospel. And then also the gospel... The gospel, because of this, is, is under assault. Now, our, our culture's changing, and you know we're, kind of, we're moving away from faith traditions. That's almost on a regular basis. But think about it. The gospel saves us, and the gospel has great worth. And you think, why would something like that be under assault? Well, here's the truth. The truth is, is that the gospel is under assault because it's so exclusive. It's so exclusive. You see, there aren't many ways to find God. There's one way. One way. Jesus would say it this way in John chapter 14 and verse number six. You say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is so incredibly important. You see, there the reason that there's such a an urgency and a passion about the gospel is that it's the only way to, to find peace. It's the only way to find hope that lasts for eternity. Hope that begins now but lasts for eternity. It's, it's in Jesus. There, there is no other way. And the gospel comes under assault because of that. But you see, we need to have a sense of urgency as we contend for the gospel. This is the reason why. You see, there's no greater pursuit than for us to contend for the faith. There's no greater pursuit than for us to contend for the faith. We are to be actively and energetically fighting for it. Do we? Now, let me back up. Do I have a sense of urgency to contend for the faith? I trust that I do and I trust you do as well. The third thought this morning is we contend for the faith. We're entrusted to guard it, to guard it. Jude would say it this way: talking about the faces once, once for all, entrusted to God's holy people. You see, there's been something given to us, this gospel, this good news. It's been entrusted to us. entrusted. That is a, an incredible thought. In fact, what is, the, what is the gospel? It's really this simple phrase: the objective content of what is believed about Christianity, the objective content. Now, where to guard that? We just talked about this sense of urgency because the gospel saves us and it's a greater worth than gold because of the, exclusive, the exclusivity of the, of the gospel, yes. But you see, we're supposed to guard this now. 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number one, says people should think of us as servants of Christ. The ones, look at this, the ones that God has trusted with his secrets, that's powerful. God has trusted us with his secrets. Now, in this way, those who are trusted with something valuable must show they are worthy of that trust. Wow. We're trusted with this amazing good news of Jesus. Second Timothy chapter one and verse number fourteen. Guard with the greatest care and keep unchanged. Look at this word, the treasure. The treasure, that precious truth which has been entrusted to you that is the good news about salvation through the personal faith in Christ Jesus through the help of the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. We're to guard this. It's so precious. We're to guard it. As a husband and as a father, I have a responsibility. I have a duty to guard my, my, my wife and to guard my children. And now as a, as a grandfather, which is just the coolest thing in the world, I, I feel that same, that, that, that same uh, that the DNA within me to guard them because they're so precious to me. And the gospel's precious. And to contend for the faith, as we defend the faith, we have to guard it whole. Heartedly. The fourth and final thought this morning is that as we contend for the faith, we need to be aware of the the rebels and the red flags. You say, What in the world does that mean? Well, Jude helps us. He talks about, in defending the faith, he talks about certain individuals or certain men or certain, certain people have secretly slipped in among. Those followers of Christ, that's troubling, and he is he's raising the warning. He says because as you contend for the faith, you've got to be aware that there are some rebels and there are some red flags. And for us in 2020, things haven't changed all that much. In fact, let me let me kind of set this in motion for you. Approximately 86 percent of the world's population follows four basic ideologies whether it is Islam, uh, Hinduism, atheistic communism, or Christianity. That makes up about 86% of the world. Now, there's 14% left. Now, when you remove Christianity from that and you add the 14% back in, that's about 67% or so. So you have ideologies that are not God-centered. They're not gospel-centered. And you have approximately maybe 300 or so cults, which is a, uh, a deviation from traditional Christianity. All of these ideologies are vying for, pe- for adherence, for individuals to join, to be a part of that worldview. And you look at this and you say, what, what does all this mean, Gary? Okay, that's all, that's all good. You see, here's, here's what it means. There are groups and teachers there are groups and teachers within Christianity that are best to as questionable. To say the least, they're questionable. And quite frankly, they're best to as destructive. That's what Jude is talking about. The, the world religions and ideologies are there, but there are individuals that Jude is specifically speaking of that have slipped in secretly. And they have made themselves look Christian, but they're not. They're anything from it. They're questionable at, at the very least, but destructive most likely. And we as followers of Christ must be aware of the rebels among us and the red flags, the things that characterize them, the things that become markers or identifiers that we have to be aware. Why? Because we, we are, we're, we're supposed to guard what we've been entrusted this gospel. We're to have a sense of urgency about it. And one of the ways that we can do this is we do this together. We learn and we grow together. So how does Jude address this? Well, let me talk about rebels first. He talks about these certain individuals who have slipped in. The scriptures are filled with warnings regarding false teachers and false prophets. Interestingly, Jude doesn't mention names. Now, he may have had names in mind, but he doesn't mention any. One of the things I take away from that is that it means it's timeless. It's something not just for a first century church. It's for us in 2020. And I can tell you, I can tell you there are a lot of false prophets and false teachers. Uh, They're among us. Many of them look very, very Christian, very orthodox, very normal. But for unfortunately, there are many that are not. We have to be aware of that, of that rebelliousness that is so amongst, much among us. And Jude says that these individuals who pervert the gospel, they're going to face the judgment of God. Not only are they going to face the judgment of God, what they have done is they have used deception to get in among us. Matthew chapter 7 Verse 15, this is what we read. Be wary of false preachers. Now listen to this. Be wary of false preachers who smile a lot, dripping with practiced sincerity. Chances are they're out to rip you off in some way or other. Don't be impressed with charisma. Look for character. Who preachers are is the main thing, not what they say. A genuine leader will never exploit your emotions or your pocketbook these diseased trees with their bad apples are going to be chopped down and burned. Man, that is that is poignant. That is poignant. And we just have to be aware. We have to be aware. I'm not suggesting that we would be skeptical, but we need to be aware, allowing the Holy Spirit to guide us. And we've got to be people of the gospel. We've got to be people of God's word so that we're not taken in by the rebels. The second thing that he talks about are red flags. Now, If I see a yellow flag, that's a caution. If I see a red flag, that's extreme caution. So I'm pointing to these three things that Jude, he he speaks to as being red flags. When we see them, we should have extreme caution. The first of those, the first of those is just ungodly. He calls these certain individuals ungodly. That's an incredible indictment. The people Judas is referencing are essentially anti-Christian pagans. The second thing that, and I would define it this way, is license. In other words, you, the, the idea is live however you want to and do whatever you want to do. There's nothing more contrary to the gospel that saves us and that is of greater worth than gold that has been entrusted to us than that. That's not the gospel. We, we're not in a We don't live however we want to. In fact, Paul had to address this in Romans chapter six. He said this, so so do you think we should continue sinning so that God will give us even more grace? And that was the argument, that well, grace abounds, grace is amazing. And I don't mean to just say grace is amazing. It, It is, it does abound, there's no question. But Paul says, so we just sin more so there's more grace? And he says, no, no, we died to our old sinful ways. So how can we continue living in sin? It's totally contrary. So this idea of license to live however you want to, you know, just kind of pushing aside any, any sense of, uh, of holy living, righteous living, no, we, we, we don't dare do that. The third thing that Jude references is, well, I would just call it denial. What are they denying? They're denying Jesus Christ. They, they begin to add to him or take away from him. That is in one of the, I think it was a few weeks ago, I made a statement about how you define a cult. That's how you do it. Add or subtract anything from Jesus. So once again, those red flags are, un, the individuals are ungodly. They, they practice license or they, they allow just a, what, a whatever kind of attitude And then they deny Christ. Listen to how Paul says, Galatians chapter one, he says, I'm shocked. I'm shocked that you're turning away so soon from God, who in his love and mercy called you to share the eternal life he gives you through Jesus Christ. You're already following a different way that pretends to be the good news. You notice that, that pretends to be the good news, but is not the good news at all. You're being You are being fooled by those who twist and change the truth concerning Christ. Let God's curse fall on anyone, including myself, who preaches any other message than the one we told you about. Even if an angel comes from heaven and preaches any other message, let him be forever cursed. We must be aware of these red flags as we contend for the faith. Now, as you continue through Jude, through verse 16, what Jude does he really unpacks the characteristics of these these individuals and their teachings. And he gives about 20 or or so negative characteristics describing behavior. Suffice to say, we, as we contend for the faith, we are to be aware of the rebels and the red flags. Jude does a wonderful job uh, of making the case to contend for our faith. So what I wanna do this morning as we close our time together is just I want to leave you with three things that I I trust you can walk with today and in the days that are ahead. The first one is this. Be in community. That's back to relationships. I don't want to go back and talk about that all again, but we say it so often. Your relationships are so valuable and maybe more valuable now than ever. Can I, let, let me just say, push those relationships forward. Build them. Grow them. You know, if there are some relational challenges, let's get those things uh, reconciled so that we are in good relationships with each other. Uh, This verse is such a powerful verse. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews said. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I, I want to, I, I, You just. we've just got to be people of relationships. Be in community. And as all of what we are presently experiencing, as that begins to dissipate and we come back to a sense of normalcy, and let me just tell you, we're going to come back to a sense of normalcy. It's going to happen. Don't know when, but you know, until then, we're going to continue to pursue what, and we can be in community in unique ways. But when we come back to a sense of normalcy, get in a life group, get on a team, be a part with, be, don't, don't, don't isolate yourself whatsoever, but be a part of a community of faith, a small group where we can share with one another. We can pray with one another. We're iron can sharpen iron. Remember, life is better connected. Life is better connected. Second thing that I would leave you to today is grow your passion for the gospel. Grow your passion for the gospel. And I use that very intentionally. I think it's one thing to, to say I'm passionate about the gospel, but it's another thing to grow it. I want to become more and more passionate. I want to see the great, I want to understand at a deeper level the value the gospel has been to me and is to me the good news of Jesus. When I say gospel, it's just good news. Jesus is good news. His saving grace is good news. His forgiveness is good news. His constant enduring love is good news. I want to be passionate about that. I want that to grow. I want that to increase. And I begin to think about this. What am I passionate about? What are you passionate about? If you were to sit down and make a list of three things that you're passionate about, would the gospel top that list? Would it even be on that list? Would it make you top 10? Would it make the top 100? I'm not saying that. I'm saying that to me. I'm saying that to me. I'm challenged with this. It's the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Am I passionate about it? I want to be. I want that to be a passion in my life. Deuteronomy chapter 5 we read, remember that you were once slaves in Egypt. Now you might, we, not, may we, not, we may not have been a slave in Egypt, but we have been slaves to sin. Slaves to sin. And listen to what Moses reminds the Hebrews of. But the Lord your God brought you out with his strong hand and powerful arm. He's done the same through Christ's sacrifice on the cross. In Romans 6 and also Romans 8, just some selected portions. But now you're free from the power of sin, and have become slaves to God. Now you, you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. So now, there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of of the life-giving spirit has freed you, hallelujah, from the power of sin that leads to death. Man, grow your passion for the gospel. He has saved us. We grow our passion by remembering from where Jesus has brought us. And the third thing this morning as we leave is learn and know what you believe. You see, red flags and rebels, they can slip in among us. The rebels can slip in among us and they can begin to talk about things that seem good. And if we don't know our faith, if we don't understand it, we can be taken in. And it would, it would, that's not where we should be. We shouldn't find ourselves there. We should know what we believe. And so let me just say to the parents parents, that's why the resources that are being provided for you now, it shouldn't be the only thing, certainly, but it is something that you can continue to use so that your children continue to grow up in faith. And as fifth graders, the fundamentals of faith, and as your children become fifth graders, get into fundamentals. These are things that we need to implant in our kids, but we also, as as moms and dads, as grandparents, as singles, young adults, teenagers, wherever we are, we need to know what we believe. Why? Because knowing the truth, knowing the truth equips you to recognize the false. Knowing the truth helps you recognize or equips you to recognize the false. Do you know what you believe? Do you know what you believe? You see there's a real possibility we can be taken in by rebels and not see the red flags, but when we know what we believe, we're on solid ground. First Timothy chapter uh, First Timothy uh, Paul writes to Timothy. He says this. He says people tell silly stories that don't agree with God's truth. Don't follow what these stories teach, but teach yourselves to be devoted to God, training yourselves. Training your body helps you in some ways, but devotion to God helps you in every way. It brings blessings in this life and the future life too. And once again, as we return to normal, get, get into life groups, be a part of, of some of the things that we're providing, whether some of the new things that are on the horizon for us, Drive Time and our a Drive Time podcast, Crossroads Conversations, a variety of other things that are on the horizon for us so that we can grow our faith. So this morning as we, we conclude our time together, I wanna just ask you a question. Do, have you embraced the gospel of Jesus Christ? Have you embraced the good news of Jesus? You see, all of us have sinned and don't measure up to God's standard of righteousness. But I'm so grateful that Jesus makes a way for us to be in right standing with God. And I want to encourage you today that if you don't know Jesus, would you invite him into your life? In fact, I'm going to pray a prayer and I'm going to ask you to pray that prayer with me and what you're saying by praying this prayer is I'm choosing Christ. I'm choosing Christ. I, I'm choosing the good news of Jesus today. I'm choosing him as my Savior. No greater decision could you ever make than to make that decision to follow Jesus. So would you pray with me right where you are? Whether you're on a, a smartphone, a tablet, a, a you, you're, you're watching on you know, Apple TV or whatever, on a smart TV, Would you just bow your heads with me and pray this prayer? Just pray it after me, very simply. Dear God, I thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus into the world. And I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again. Forgive me of my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life and help me with the challenges that I'm up against. God, I surrender my life to you. I choose Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray this morning, those who may have prayed that prayer with me, Lord, you would give them an incredible sense of your peace and your presence. I thank you, Jesus, that you are our Savior. I thank you, Jesus, that we can contend for the gospel. We can contend for our faith. I thank you, Lord, for the relationships that we share. I thank you, Lord, that I am I am urged, I am compelled to, to, to contend for this faith once entrusted. I, Lord, I pray that my, my passion would increase, my urgency would increase to defend it but to live it as well, I also pray that I would guard it well. I would guard it well. Lord, I also, help me grow my faith, learn of you, to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, so that I would never be, I would never be swayed by rebels or red flags. But I, always, I would always follow after you. I thank you, Jesus, for all you have done this morning. And I pray... In these last moments, or these final moments that we're together online today, I pray for the needs that may be all across all across our church family and those who would be joining us today. In Jesus' name, be our peace and be our healer. Be our provision. Lord, I also pray that you would dispel all the fear and the anxiety that some may be experiencing this morning. Lord, I, you've not given us a spirit of fear. And so, Lord, I pray that if there is fear that rises up within us, I pray that the perfect love of Jesus would dispel, would drive away all fear. And Lord, there would be peace that would replace what once just caused such great anxiety in us. Thank you. I know you're able to do that. And so, Lord, for our church family, for, for Crossroads your blessing, your, your strength upon us, we pray. And we give you all the thanks for all you've done today. And Lord, we're believing that great things are in store. And now, Lord, for one, for, for all of us to join together in unity, we pray for healing for our nation over this coronavirus, for the world. We pray, Lord, that you will bring an end to this. And you, by your divine omnipotent power, Lord, you would do something extraordinary bring this to a close protect heal and restore we pray for all of these things we give these to you and we with gratitude in Jesus name amen well this morning if you prayed to receive Christ i want to encourage you would you do something for me would you text me would you text us i should say at this number 951 951- Three three one five one six seven. 5167 If you chose Christ, you just say, I chose Christ, Texas, we want to journey this with you. And you can use that same phone number, that same text, if you have a prayer request. We want to pray with you. So once again, 951-331-5167. We want to hear from you. We're here for you. God is going to do great things in you this week, I'm confident. Have a wonderful week. God bless you. We'll see you soon.